Hello, this is Curtis Edwards, Vice President of Investor Relations at Hudson Investing. Are you ready to start building your multifamily portfolio? Kent and I are excited to announce our newest deal in Spartanburg, South Carolina. This 157-unit property offers a unique chance to acquire a B-class value-add property for just $120,000 per door. This is well below replacement costs. De-risking the deal even further is a favorable loan assumption with over six years remaining at 3.73% fixed. With 50 economic development projects underway and 70,000 jobs within a 20-minute drive, the South Carolina upstate region is primed for above-average job, population, and rent growth. Don't miss out on this exclusive deal. Find the link in the description notes to learn how you can invest. Mindset's everything, in my opinion. It's the strongest part of your body because your mind controls your body. So a couple things is, is what I do to really nurture my mind. One, I meditate in the mornings and in the evenings. Sometimes I need to do it during the day, depending on my schedules. My meetings start at 7 a.m., and I don't finish meetings some days to like 9 or 10 because we have some investors that are from Singapore. So I have to stay up late to, to have a call with them on their morning. And so during those long work hours, you do get winded, you do get tired, and you have to have that strong mindset. So I meditate. Welcome to Right Around Real Estate, the show about how to passively invest like a pro. On each episode, I interview real estate experts who give their top investing advice, strategies, and tools, and I break down their insights into practical steps to avoid the pitfalls and make better investments. I want to help you passively invest like a pro. This is Ritter on Real Estate, and I'm your host, Kent Ritter. Hello, fellow investors. Welcome to Ritter on Real Estate, where we teach you how to passively invest like a pro. Today, my guest is Chris Salerno. He's the managing partner of QC Capital, and he's an old friend of mine, so I'm excited to have him on the show and be able to, to chat about multifamily. By the time Chris was 24, he transacted more than $40 million in real estate volume and helped lead the number one real estate team in the Carolinas. Now, as the founder of QC Capital, he's specializing in acquiring large multifamily properties throughout the Southeast. And Chris, thanks for being here, man. Good to see you. And thanks so much for having me. We were chatting before this went live and, you know, it's been almost what a year and a half since we've connected in person due to COVID and everything. So it's nice to finally see you virtually. So thanks. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Yeah. It's a different world, right? It is. You just don't have that conference circuit going on where you get to see each other every couple months like it was in the old days. Oh, I know. And you know, you're seeing it open up more and more slowly, which is nice. And I think those conferences are really getting packed out because so many people are itching to get out and network face to face. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, that's a lot of our, I mean, on both sides, right? Whether you're a sponsor or an investor, that's the main place you go to meet people and network and find deals or on either side. And so it's, uh, yeah, there's just, I think there's definitely a desire for people to to get out, you know, one, just to get out of the house, but two, to to find deals, right? And find Very opportunities. So. And so, yeah, excited to get back out there and start networking again. You know, obviously it's something that I, I enjoy and, and something that's a huge part of the business. So, well, Chris, let's dig in, man. Why don't you start with telling the folks a little bit about yourself and, you know, what brought you to where you are today? 
Yeah. And, and thanks again for having me. I'm very excited to be on and add value to everyone. So I'll give everyone a 30 second, 30,000 Skyfoot summary. So I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. I've been here for 14 years. I have a 15 month old. His nickname is Bam Bam because he's a wild one. I have a fiance and I'm a stepdad to an eight year old going on 21. She's a handful as well. I started out in the residential industry, selling residential homes for Keller Williams here in Charlotte. Very quickly, I uh, then grew a company, became the top agent in Charlotte for Keller Williams at the time. I merged that company with the number one team in the Carolinas with Keller Williams. We were also number fourth in the world by unit count with over 775 homes sold just in one year. And when I did the merger, I've always been intrigued with business, with mergers, acquisitions, why are companies filing for bankruptcy? I want to know the reason behind it. And so when I did the merger, if Kent, I'm sure you know, going into a business with a 30-year-old business owner who owned that business for 30 plus years, he's been around forever, he's going to be stubborn. It's going to be very hard to bring some new ideas in because he's so used to the old ways. So when I joined, I saw so many cracks in the foundation and I was so intrigued and, and I asked to let me dig my head in the PNL. He gave me kickback, said, no, 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 no. And eventually he, he just said, here, you're bugging me too much. Here's the PNL. So I started digging through it and, and I started filling up these cracks, allocating capital to certain marketing and, and reducing it on other expenses. I was able to make them 46% profitable in about a year and a half compared to their three years of being stagnant, with no growth. When I joined, they were around 92 to 93 million in annual sales. I was able to bring them up to 147 million just in a year and a half. When I did that, I felt like I hit a ceiling. It was the hustle, very similar to a W-2 job, but it was the hustle. You, you had a little more time freedom, but it was still hustling. And so I started educating myself, listening to podcasts like yours, listening to podcasts like ours. And I figured that multifamily is where I wanted to be. You have to play the game Monopoly, but in real life, and the goal of Monopoly is to own the land and put the largest building because economies of scale, you receive the most cash flow. So I started educating myself on the 08 market, realizing that multifamily is the strongest asset class. It recovered the quickest, and it's a necessity. You cannot create an Amazon and take it away. We will always need shelter. The population is growing and will always be growing. And we're always going to need shelter to house everybody. So I said, this is the asset class I'm going to be an expert in. I then started researching YouTube, reading books. Like I said, listen to podcasts. And I came across my mentor and coach, which you and I have the same mentor and coach. And I hit it off very well. Very quickly within seven months, uh, we acquired a little over 40,364,000 units. And after that, I knew I needed to build the foundation of the company very strong to poise for the growth I wanted to have. And it took about nine months to a year to build the company's foundation with employees and the right individuals that fit the culture of QC Capital and the work ethic that I wanted them to. After doing that, we then went on a hunt for our next asset. We then recently just acquired an asset around three and a half, four months ago here in Greenville, South Carolina. So within two years, it puts us a little over 55 million and 500 units, and we're substantially growing. So that's a little bit about myself. I did attend Winthrop University, ran Division One track. I also attended Wharton Business School, specializing in marketing and business entrepreneurship. So that's a little bit about myself and the company. Great, Chris. Yeah, appreciate the background and really impressive growth. So congratulations. Thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate it.
Yeah. So you are based in the Carolinas. You're you're focusing in the Southeast, right? Primarily. So tell us a little about the markets you're in and what's attracting you to those markets. Great question. And we focus very heavily on the Carolinas as we I've lived here in Charlotte. It's in the middle of the Carolinas. Charlotte's in the middle of the East Coast, which is great. So when we travel to assets, we focus heavily here because it's our backyard. We know it very well. And it's a very hot market. I mean, Raleigh's ranked number one on, on multiple rankings when it comes to tech, when it comes to employment, cost of living, where people are moving to in the Southeast. Same as Charlotte. Charlotte's the second biggest financial district in the United States right after Manhattan. A lot of people don't know that. And right now they're in talk with the NASDAQ, moving the NASDAQ to either Dallas or Charlotte, North Carolina. So we're home to all of your large banks. We're headquarters to all of them. But we have so much diversification. And that's another thing we like to look at in our markets in the Carolinas. So it's Raleigh, Charlotte, Greenville, South Carolina, Winston-Salem, Greensboro, and Charleston. All of these markets we focus on, specifically here in the Carolinas at the moment, have a very strong diversification in employment, and we like that. We're not relying on just one employer. We're relying on multiple employers that are necessity type of jobs, uh, necessity type of employment where we're going to need it even through COVID. And that's why these assets have been performing extremely strong during COVID. Greenville, South Carolina got ranked the number one city in America that people are moving to during COVID. And, and we just required an asset there. We're also looking in Atlanta, Georgia, as we, you and I discussed a little bit about Atlanta before the show. Atlanta is a hot market. A lot of people are moving to Atlanta, job growth, and, and we really follow the jobs. We follow the large employers and where they're going. Because if they are going to large cities, they're going to need to hire people. And so we're following that on where they're going and why they're going there. We also like Jacksonville, Orlando, and Tampa. Those are uh, some Florida markets and some of the South Florida cities as well we're looking at. Those are some of the markets that we really would like to get into. I'm originally from Florida, Fort Lauderdale, and I've lived around four and a half years in Orlando. So we know those markets fairly well. So we'd like to break into those markets this year. Gotcha. Very good. And as you're looking at properties in these markets, what type of properties are you focused on? Yeah. So we are mainly focused on assets between 1990 and 2020. And reason being is, is from the research I've done, the research our, our company has done, is I strongly feel the demographic of tenants have very strong employers that live in that type of product from 1990 to 2020. When you start getting into 1960, 1970s, and 1980s, that's when you're going to find a service type of employers, not a higher to middle class. So we're really focused on the 1990s, 2017. Ideally, we'd like to be between 150 to 350 units. That's the sweet spot in those major markets that I said earlier. Gotcha. Interesting. So 90s to, to kind of current. So that's going to put you in really you know B to A class assets. Are you focusing on A as well? Yeah, B and A, we also like a, a little core plus. Currently, we're looking at a 2015 type of product that needs a little love where you can go in, you can put a Nest thermostat, you can kind of make it the smart home, you can add a couple things like trash valet, washer and dryer rentals, which are not charging, and slowly get rents up that way as kind of like a core plus type of hold where you can hold it for seven to 10 years and increase organically and then also add some of those type of amenities to also increase rents. And it's just a nice cash flowing property that is, is an institutional quality asset. 
Gotcha. All those markets you described are pretty competitive markets, right? Oh, so yeah. how, how's the market landscape been and how are you guys continuing to find deals that pencil out in a market in markets like that? I mean, we are analyzing anywhere from the 30 to 60 deals a week. And we have a very strict criteria and some of them don't even pass our stage one criteria. We have uh, three stages that a property has to pass. And I'd say 95 to 97% of them won't even pass stage one. After that, there would probably be only after say 97, there would probably be 2% that will go ahead and, and not even pass into stage two. And then 3% is where, you know, it's that one to 2% of the assets we look at that actually pencil in where we're submitting LOIs on. It's been extremely difficult as it's a very competitive market. The one thing I, I love about this industry is that it is competitive. So it gets me up at, I wake up at 4.30 to 5 every morning. It gets me up out of the bed and ready to go. I, I enjoy it and I love it. And it's not going to stop being competitive. So those individuals that you know may be scared or hesitant, if you're an operator out there listening, you may be scared or hesitant to you know try to break into a new market. You're going to have to break in. You're going to have to get off your feet, get off the couch, break into that market, find out how to think outside of the box, be unique with terms, do whatever it takes to get into that market because the competition is not slowing down. It's just going to heat up more and more. Like we discussed at the beginning of the show, there's capital out there and there's an unbelievable record amount of capital sitting on the sideline ready to deploy it into physical assets like multifamily. And a lot of these large institutions are mainly parking their capital in multifamily because they've seen how strong it's been during COVID, depending on the city. So yeah, it's, it's very important to jump out there, make sure you have unique terms, but it's always going to be competitive. I love it because it, it wakes me up in the morning and then I just enjoy it. So yeah, so it's very competitive right now with that asset class and that type of unit count. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like you guys are have a systems in place to churn the volume you need to churn and, and also quickly analyze deals. So I think it sounds like you got a good process involved. So Awesome. Well, I want to switch gears a little bit because, you know, I know you personally, I know you're a big believer in mindset, you know, yes. being a former athlete and talking about, I already talked about how you're getting up at four 30 in the morning and out there hitting it. Right. So, and it's hard with a newborn, you would know. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's tough when you're getting three, you know, two, three hour chunks of sleep at a time. Right. It is. But that's why you got to stay positive, right? And I think that's Correct. what you've done so well is you, you've stayed positive. You, you've kept your mindset. I think that's so important. I think that can help a lot of people. So talk to me a little bit about just maybe one, like what is your mindset? Define that for me. And then how do you approach <laughs> that? And, and let's talk a little bit about tactics to, to maintain that high level. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. So mindset, ooh, mindset's everything in my opinion. It's the strongest part of your body. Why? Because your mind controls your body. Your mind controls how you move, how you speak, how, how you analyze, how you think outside the box. Your mind controls all of that. So a couple things is, is what I do to really nurture my mind. One, I meditate in the mornings and in the evenings. Sometimes I need to do it during the day, depending on my schedules. My meetings start at 7 a.m., and I don't finish meeting some days to like nine or 10 because we have some investors that are from Singapore. So I have to stay up late to, to have a call with them on their morning. And so during those long work hours, you do get winded, you do get tired and you have to have that strong mindset. So I meditate, even if it's 15 minutes to decompress, get Apple iTunes up, 
type in meditation music, just that calming meditation music, turn that on and just decompress, go into a room by yourself and set a timer for 15 minutes. I love this Apple watch because it vibrates. So you don't have to listen to that crazy sound. It'll just vibrate and you can stop meditation. But when you meditate, let your mind wonder. Find out that place you also want to meditate. I meditate. I love meditating in the shower because of the steam, the sound of the water soothes me. And just let your mind wander. Think about business. Whatever comes to your mind, just let it come in and flow. So doing that really helps me clear my mind and prepare my mind for the day when I do it in the morning and to achieve the day that's ahead of me. So I highly believe in that. One individual I love, his name's Warren Buffett. I'm sure a lot of people know about him. If you don't, I'm sorry, but you need to. I watch documentaries about him. And in one documentary, Warren said, Kent, if you could have any car in the world, what would it be? Let's say a Ferrari, okay? How sure. would you treat the, – the caveat though, Kent, is that you have to keep that car for the rest of your life. You can't trade it in. You can't do anything. You have to keep it for the rest of your life. How would you treat that car? Oh, I'd take great care of it, right? like a baby. You would treat it like a baby. Well, why don't you do that to your mind? You only have one mind. You can trade in a car. There's 365 days in a year. You can have 365 cars in a year if you wanted to, but you can't change your mind. You can't replace your whole mind. You need to nurture your mind. You need to fill it up with positive information. You need to nurture it in the business and the career you're in. So if you're out there as a passive investor, let's say, and you're trying to create that mindset, what you first need to do is educate yourself. You're doing the right thing by listening to Kent's podcast, YouTube, read books, educate yourself on multifamily investing. And once you keep educate yourself on multifamily investing, you need to start getting embedded, eat, sleep, and breathe it. And that's how you start to build your mindset around it. And then you grow it from there by networking, like we discussed earlier. So I do a lot of that to keep a positive mindset. Another thing I always do is I always try to find the positives out of any negative situation. For example, it's overcast here in Charlotte. We have a storm coming. I think it's a beautiful day today. So I believe in that laws of attraction. So having a positive mindset also brings in that laws of attraction, which will really truly change your whole way of investing, change your whole way of operating a deal, uh, you name it. So those are little tips. Yeah. I mean, a couple of things. I'm a big proponent of meditation myself. So, you know, I can't say enough about the value it's brought me. I think just being a business owner, being extremely busy, doing the podcast, also having three small kids, right? There's just a lot going on. You need that time to decompress. And I think that's similar to what you're saying has allowed me to kind of maintain everything and continue moving and, and understand what's important and not get stuck in you know, the, just the minutia of the day. Right. I and I think taking that time to step out is huge. Something else that you said though, was, you know, you're just talking about how you're kind of nurturing this positivity, right. And, and continuing to focus on that. So what are, what are other things that, that you're doing in your day to just maintain that perspective? Cause I think that's so critical. Like, like I notice when, when I don't do my routines, you know, it can almost seem like at times you're kind of fighting through the day, right? You're, you're just kind of <laughs> slugging through it and you're just getting from one thing to the other. And you're just like, oh, I can't wait till I get these done versus, a, you know, the ability to have a completely different perspective to the same situation and, and approach it as, as opportunities, right? As, yes. oh, this is a great opportunity. This is a great opportunity and just be much more open to what comes. And I think that that 
that, like you said, that just opens up opportunities, right? Because you're just, you're just focusing on your mind is conditioned in a way that you notice things, you notice opportunities and, and you're in a position to, to take advantage of them at that time and not just say, oh, I'll put that off to another day, right? So how do you condition, you know, we talked about meditation, but particularly like the positivity and just how you're approaching a very busy day, right? What are things that you're doing? Yeah, no, that's important because I have an exclusive assistant and there, there's sometimes she looks over at me and she says, your day is outrageous because I have meetings back to back on every hour. Sometimes I forget to eat lunch because I just, I'm go, go, go. And my employees kind of, you know, relate to me as an Elon Musk because I work so many hours during the day. And I think what really helps me and helps me focus truly on my career is, as you know, Kent, on, on the weekends, real estate kind of dies down. Brokers, you know, don't message you back. Lenders, unless you're in a deal, you know, and you, you're raising capital, it really dies. So I've learned to really have my weekends dedicated to family and in the evenings dedicated to family. And that has helped me prepare for my long days during the week. Sundays before Monday, Sunday, I prepare for Monday. So I always try to prepare a little bit in the evenings for Monday. So I am ready to go for that next following day. And that helps me prepare my mindset and, and prepare what I know is coming at me. Now, yes, you know, as owning the business, and you would know is that no matter, you're going to get smacked with blindsided with a bunch of things. And having that positive mindset will help you overcome those blind sides of those emails or any issues that just came up out of the blue, that having that positive mindset will help you overcome it. But I think preparing for the day ahead of time, you knowing what you're going to get yourself into helps tremendously when it comes to, you know, tackling a day that you're just back to back meetings and, and you don't have time to get out of the water and take a breath, it feels like. Yeah. And I think what you're hitting on there and you're hitting on a lot of good stuff, but the thing I took away is, is this idea of like intentionality. So, yeah. and that's been a big, that's my big focus in, in 2021 is just being intentional in everything that you do. I think you do that by taking the time to prepare, right? So even, even 10 minutes or even, I mean, 20 minutes in the evening to prepare for the next day and just think through the things that you have to do and think through the meetings you're having and take time to have agendas, right? And know what you want to discuss and don't just show up and, and let it happen to you, right? But being intentional is about knowing what you want to achieve and, and driving in the direction to achieve that. I think there's a lot of wasted time, right? With people, especially if you have, I mean, in my old W2 job, right? It was, I mean, it was, it was, it was what you're describing. Honestly, it was just back-to-back meetings, nine hours a day to the point where you're like, when do you get work done? You're just meeting constantly. And then you got to check emails in the evenings and, you know. And you just go through that. And if you're not intentional about what you want to achieve in each of those meetings, then the meeting kind of just happens to you, right? And right. It's, a, it's a wasted hour, right? It's a bunch of people just sitting around. So the intentionality of, I think, preparing for your day and spending that time. And like you said, it doesn't take a lot of time. I mean, 10 minutes of just sitting down and thinking it through, I think goes so far in just making you, making me at least so much more productive and getting the important pieces. Cause like, I mean, in every meeting, there's probably like one really important thing or one thing that really needs to get done and being able to focus in on and making sure that's what really keeps the ball moving forward. I so think. here's a trick for that. And I've learned it through trial and error is when I start a call with an individual and I know I only have 30 minutes, I tell them 
I only have 30 minutes. I have a hard stop at 11 o'clock. I have my next meeting then. And so when you, when you give them and, and set that expectation up front, I found that you tend to get things done very quickly within that 30 minutes instead of, you know, talking all over the place. For example, I had a call before this podcast. He called me 10 minutes before. I said, I have nine minutes before my next meeting. You only have nine minutes of my time before I have to hang up. What's going on? And he said, okay, boom, I want to respect your time. And he just nailed it. And when we started getting around two minutes till, he said, I know I only have two more minutes of your time. So he, he was keeping track of it. And that helps really make that meeting, make that phone call more productive instead of just you're sitting in that meeting and it's, you're just being busy. And you really want to be productive because there's a difference between being busy and being productive. So I found that being extremely helpful, setting that expectations up front. You only have 15 minutes, only 30 minutes, and you really get a lot done. I think that's a great tip. I've found that that is even helpful in in my own work. Like just my, the stuff that I have to sit down and do is setting deadlines. I don't know who said the quote, but I saw this quote the other day around, you know, the, the work will expand to fit the timeline, right? So meaning if you have two hours to get something done, you know, usually take two hours to get that done. It's amazing how, how it takes that amount of time. So trying to, for myself, even just set half hour blocks to say like, okay, I've got a half hour to get this done. What, like if I'm sending out a a newsletter or email, I get a half hour to get this done at the end, I'm sending it out. So it's going to be as good as it's going to be, but, but it's amazing how much you can accomplish in that time. And so I think setting those, those time blocks. And, and I like how you're talking about, you know, letting the other person know and just setting the expectation up front. And because I think what that would do for me is allow me to be focused in that time as well and not be, not be concerned like, Oh, I hope this doesn't go long. I'm going to have to cut this guy off. You know, I've got another meeting coming. So I really like that tip. Yeah, no, it helps tremendously. And to touch on the, the statement you made with the quote, there's a quote I, I reshared on my Instagram or Facebook. And it said that if I gave you four hours to clean your house, you would clean your house in four hours. But if I gave you 30 days to clean your house, it would take you 30 days to clean your house. So setting that expectation up front is extremely helpful to make your meeting more productive and to go into more detail and setting that expectation. So, yeah, no, very cool. It's clear how you can stay so productive and get so much done. And I appreciate you sharing some of that with us. Yeah. Digging in a little softer side, right? A little bit about mindset because it is so important. And I think it's something no matter what you're doing, you know, whether you're an investor, you know, whether you're you're in your W-2, whatever you're doing, it can make you more successful. So appreciate Very that, much Chris. so. Very much so. Yeah. So before I let you go, I want to get into our keys to success and talk a little bit about, I just ask you some questions. The first one is, what's one question that every investor should ask their deal sponsor? Right now, what are collections? <laughs> if you're looking to invest in a deal, I don't care what your occupancy is. I care where your economic occupancy is, but your occupancy, you know, it, it's irrelevant to me. If you're running at a 98% occupancy, but your collections are 60%, I'm worried. And I found that out by researching, you know, a lot of deals that come through my desk and things like that. So if I was a sponsor and, and I actually just got interviewed by a sponsor, he interviewed 18 groups 
thankfully we were top five, which he only picked top five to invest with. So thankfully we fit in. And I told him that same thing. He said, any questions I missed? I said, when you analyze deals, you need to ask, what are your collections to make sure it's it's a good deal? Also after that, you know, just really dig deeper into the sponsor and make sure you fit well with them and, and you feel comfortable with them. Mm-hmm. Great advice. What are you most proud of in your career? Ooh, I don't think anyone's ever asked me that question. (laughs) I would say the most proud I've been was the education I learned at such a quick pace and such a short time frame. I'm proud for that because when I grew up, I was always called dyslexic. I was always put in special reading classes and and studying classes because the teachers, you know, said you had a trouble learning here and that. Well, I think I had a trouble. I had trouble learning because it wasn't something I was interested in. And when it comes to real estate, I just, I eat, sleep and breathe it. There's been times my fiance would wake me up in the middle of the night because I'm sleep talking about a deal. So I (laughs) I literally eat, sleep and breathe it. So I would say the education that I've been able to gain in such a short time frame and the individuals that along that way who helped me gain that education like yourself. So thank you. You're welcome. I think I played a pretty small part in that, but but happy to uh, be involved with the journey. Thank you. What book should everyone read? Think and Grow Rich. That's it. Think and Grow Rich is a great book. Another book is uh, Mistakes Millionaires Make. I love that book. I highly recommend it. Awesome. And lastly, what is your number one key to success? I would say, and I probably will always work back to this, never give up. Have a positive mindset. You need to have that positive mindset so you don't give up, but never give up. And and there's been people that have I've thought were personal friends of mine who has told me, Chris, hey, you may not want to tell people your goals because it's it just seems like, you know, they're to Mars. Like you're just it doesn't seem achievable. And I said, Well, maybe to you they're not achievable achievable, but I know they are achievable. So you're going to watch me achieve them. So I would say never give up no matter what. Yeah, that's fantastic advice, Chris. And, and I think you're the living testament to that. And Thank obviously you. it's uh, those big goals were driving so much success. So, you know, yeah, I Thank think you. that that's a great tool. And lastly, how can everybody get a hold of you if they, if they want to learn more about yourself and, and QC Capital? Yeah. And and thank you so much for having me on, Ken. I really enjoyed uh, having a conversation and talk about the real estate. I have a passion for it. Anyone would love to learn more about QC Capital, set up a call with me directly. You visit our website, uh, qccapitalgroup.com and fill out the investor form. I'll normally reach out to you within 12 hours. We can set up a call. We can see if we are a good fit for each other and where 2021 is going to bring us. Thanks so much, Ken. Awesome. Thanks, Chris. Wonderful having you on. Glad we were able to connect again and wish you the best. Yes. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to another great episode of Ritter on Real Estate. Hit the subscribe button to make sure you don't miss out on the content that will make you a better investor. Also, visit KentRitter.com for articles, videos, and tools curated just for passive investors. Until next time, this is Kent Ritter with Ritter on Real Estate. Now go out and invest like a pro.